in a world where some of the greatest motion pictures ever made are reaching their 30th anniversaries, one group of friends gathered together to pay tribute to these films. Pat Cantagallo. Dennis Matouche. Jeff Mazuka, John Reed. Bo Warmbold. Each week, they feature one movie that reminds us why we fell in love with these films in the first place. This year, we travel back in time to 1984 and 85. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. This time around, I have with me Hefe Mazuka. Hello. There we go. Now that we've insulted our Latin American listeners. Lo siento. There we go. All right. So this time around, I have Jeff with me, and we are going to be talking a little bit about what may, what makes Jeff tick. And not like nervous tick, but just like, you know, what kind of movies do you like? Oh, what kind of, like if we did like, what makes me tick, this is like part one of a volume of podcasts that no one really wants to listen to. That's fine. But if we're talking movies, I might have a little bit of an audience. Okay, we can do that too. All right, so this time around I do have Jeff with me, um, and we are going to be talking, you're going to get to know Jeff, whether you want to or not. As so most people at, deal with. Most, most people don't. I don't care. That's not true. We love you in a truly platonic, very manly way. <laughs> I appreciate the massage you're giving me right now, too. Moving on. (laughs) Don't do a spit take. There's too many computers around. (laughs) All right. So, Jeff, tell me a little bit about yourself. What should people know about the real Jeff Mazuka? The real Jeff Mazuka is a a teacher, is a a sensitive soul. You're getting too real now. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll pull back. Um, no, you know what? I, I, I think like those are just knowing that kind of help defines <clears throat> why I like the movies that I like. You know, I, 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 in terms of movies, I go for movies that have interesting or strong characters. I love seeing characters go on some sort of a journey uh, intellectually. Not so much like hobbits traveling, but right. it, you know, a, a character facing some sort of internal question that they're trying to you know find some sort of answer to um i love great storytelling i you know give me a a, give me a good story with a very strong character and i'm set you know take a movie like mockingbird Mm -hmm. i'll watch that movie forever because it's brilliant story really really great characters throughout um you know same thing with something like 12 angry men you know, again, it, it's interesting premise, um, but a very unique way of looking at the psyche of, of different people. So as long as it's a, a strong character or strong characters, I'm most likely going to be interested in, uh, in watching the movie. Nice. And those are actually two of my favorite movies as well. Oh, so we're done here then. Huh? There we go. Okay, thank you for joining us on the 30-something movie podcast. Adios. <laughs> Thank you, Hefe. Um, all right. So, what are your what are some of your favorite kinds of movies? We'll talk talk genres here. First, I mean, you said story. Yeah, i And I feel like by saying stories and characters, it doesn't really define anything because you can have those qualities in in all sorts of movies. I like movies that make me think. 
um, not in a matrix sort of way, but just uh, you know, keeping me engaged in, in what's happening. Um, so I'm a big Hitchcock fan. I love his his way of storytelling and um, you know his his use of uh, just small clues here and there that can help you, the viewer, start to figure out what. Uh, what's going on and just his, his way of playing with your mind to keep you interested so this may get into something later what's your favorite Hitchcock movie Rear Window okay why because of what you just said <laughs> because of what I just said were you not listening see, see the earlier conversation um, no again I, I, I feel like it's that one has such great characters and the idea that your main character is essentially trapped and he's just observing life, as he does by profession, but he's just observing life through his window. And when you're in that situation where that's all you have at your disposal, you start picking up on, on different things. And in that case, spoilers for anyone that's never seen a rear window, he ends up solving the murder that happened. Whereas a lot of people may start think they or may think they start seeing things going on that aren't really there, but because they've been secluded or trapped in one space for so long, you're just subconsciously finding ways to entertain yourself. Um, well, and and Hitchcock willing to have a main character, your your primary character, your protagonist, be disabled. I mean, yeah. you got he's in a wheelchair the whole time. So yeah, I mean, and it, I can't it, think of too many other movies that. Say, hey, you know what? Let's let's do what would really keep people's attention is let's have a guy sitting in a wheelchair but if, looking if out a window. The question was, how do we get someone so they're looking how do you, out their window? How do you make that right? So it may not be. I have an idea for a guy in a wheelchair. Maybe right. I have an idea for this this movie or, or this story about someone who observes. Mm-hmm. But I can't. How do we get how them do we keep to them be confined in that one spot where they have to be observant uh, from that one viewpoint? But what I like about Hitchcock is, you know, it, it's not always mystery. Because you take a movie then like Psycho, you kind of know what's going on. There's not on. a whole lot of mystery there. There's not a whole lot of mystery, but it's still a compelling film. It's still a compelling story. So it's just the way that Hitchcock is able to uh, to play with people's minds and, and keep that intrigue going to where you want to watch what's happening. It's not about trying to solve the crime all the time. It's about trying to understand the, the motivation behind the characters. Is there a modern director that you think does as good a job of that as Hitchcock did? Hmm. I don't think so. Okay. Um, I haven't seen anything as good Mm -hmm. as what Hitchcock was able to accomplish. I'd like. I, I wish more modern filmmakers would maybe study Hitchcock a little bit more to get a sense of that. I feel like some of the early, and this may, this just may be my take on it, I feel like some early M. Night Shyamalan was similar to some of the ways that Hitchcock would build the suspense, have a little bit of a twist, um, you know, just some of the feel of those movies. Maybe, that, that, but Shyamalan, that's what I liked in his Shyamalan early, got too formulaic. Well, no, I, that's what I'm saying, his early stuff. Like Sixth Sense, okay, yeah, yeah. there was a twist there. Unbreakable. I like uh, Unbreakable. Un- Unbreakable is my favorite. Yeah. Shyamalan. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, a little twist. Once there, you but, got to like the village, but after and, after Unbreakable, yeah, you know, you, you need to start looking for the twist, right? Well, and that's Whereas, where I think he wasn't as good as Hitchcock because right, Hitchcock right. kept Hitch- that going. And, Hitchcock yeah. didn't settle on one formula, mm-hmm. so I'm maybe, or like I said, early Shyamalan would be a a, yeah. a comparison. But okay. 
But nobody that you, nobody off the top of no, your head. No, not, not today not, that does. Not that I can think of that does suspense. You know, really not as well. well, but a serviceable job of. There, well, there haven't really been too many suspense movies. They all, yeah. they all turn into horror, blood, gore movies. Right. Where, you know, again, Hitchcock doesn't rely on horror and, and blood and guts. You know, he lets the, the audience fill in those gaps with whatever horrific thing they want to come up with, which is the, the, the brilliance of it. Mm-hmm. And it actually makes those scarier even years later. Absolutely. Because I still, The Birds is still... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sometimes more terrified by the movie The Birds than I am a lot of other, like, modern horror that's out now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I, I watch all these movies on, or around Halloween uh, every year. It's just, you know, it's a thing I like to do. And I st- it's still funny. I'll find myself, you know, holding my breath at some points mm-hmm. or just, you know, s- sitting forward on the edge of the couch a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, God, I know how this works plays out yeah i've seen this countless in that times. one like the the scenes where it's silent like to me that's when it's the creepiest when it's the, like in the birds for mm-hmm. as an example when they're trying to get out to the car and it's just it's silent with the occasional bird noise yeah and how those bird noises have been tweaked to, to sound even creepier and that you just you hear them every once in a while but otherwise like you said you're holding your breath you're just like now this is suspense. This is not. There's nothing scary jumping out at me, gory, grotesque, anything like that. It's just the and building of suspense and the using of silence to. And when you can force yourself to put all the other distractions aside, you know, leave the computer and phone and iPad, just put all that down and just let the the movie pull you in. That's what does it. Like that's why you're. You know, that's why I get. I get so enthralled in it it's because I'm putting everything else aside and just letting Hitchcock do what he wanted to do with his movie and I still pick up on new things I watched Vertigo for I don't know how many times for you know and I picked up on something totally different that I never really picked up on before at the end and I love that I can allow myself to focus enough to still find these new ideas to at least consider if not explain things away that was, I think, at a film class in, in college, and North by Northwest was one of the first times I ever had a teacher take us through a movie and really break it down into its pieces. Mm-hmm. It was that, and our first two weeks in that film class, I think, was North by Northwest and Citizen Kane. And we, okay. we took those and just broke them down, analyzed every bit and piece. I mean, we watched the movie first just you know for enjoyment, and then we came back and he said, okay, now we're going to break everything down, and we're going to take a look at why did the director choose these shots, why did they make these choices with sound and music. And, and you know, I wasn't a film major, but I remember going through that, and particularly North by Northwest, I was like, this is, I've never gone through a movie like this before. I've never considered sure. the whole lighting and sound, and, I, and that probably is what got me going on liking movies as much as I did. Yeah, and I think that's a good approach, too, by you, you need to view it before you dissect it. Mm-hmm. Because if you'd say, okay, we're going to take this movie, we're going to pull it apart. Well, if you don't see how all the pieces are supposed to fit together initially, when you start pulling it apart, you don't, you're going to miss so much of that analytical process because so many parts of a movie rely on something else happening or that previously happened. That if you're really not paying attention or don't see how all those work together initially, by dissecting the movie, you're just going to miss out on so much of it. And there's a good chance you're going to ruin the movie for yourself or whoever. Right. Right. First and and foremost, it's a piece of art. Absolutely. Look at the art, enjoy it or don't enjoy it, but then look at it first. And then if you need to tear it apart later, then 
tear it apart. When I watch, when I watch movies with people, or, or and it's someone that's never seen the movie we're watching, they start asking questions. I just turn and say, none of this is going to be answered by me until the movie's over. Right. Just enjoy it. Let that's, it play out. That's watching movies with my kids. <laughs> like I, I don't want to answer questions. Mm-hmm. I don't want to keep hearing I'm questions. Like, no, just, just watch. If you just watch, you might figure it out on your own. And I get annoyed by having to say that to people too. Mm-hmm. Especially repeatedly at the same viewing of a movie. Yeah. Like just no, I'm I'm not answering. Right. Stop it. Stop with the questions. Stop you with almost, the commentary. You almost need to be your own movie theater where you like you dim the lights in your room, like, we just want to make a public service announcement. Before this movie begins, we'd just like to let you know that the Viewer will not be answering any questions until the close of this film. Once the credits have ended, you may ask your questions. Right. Yeah. Please turn off cell phones and enjoy the show. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll record that and just. You should just do that. Record that it at and home. play it. Okay, everybody. Here we go. Just so you know. Right. Welcome. Welcome to Movie Jeff. Movie Heffy. Um, so, what are your five? So, our podcast is about movies of the 1980s. Um, what would be your top five 1980s movies? Top five 80s movies. I'm looking at my list to see if I have anything. Um, so I, I, I tried to put a list together, and I'm awful at this game. <laughs> and I think well, we've had, and I've had discussions with Pat before on, like, we'll be in the hallway and we'll ask, like, you know, top five this. Or top, we'll try to make top five lists. He cannot stand making top five lists because it constantly changes. And I'm the same way. If somebody uh, asks I, me what my like, top agree. five, yeah. If somebody asks what my top five songs are or my top five musical artists, I'm like, well, it, this week it's <laughs> right. this and this and this right. and this What's and this. Today? And I, what I'm was like, yesterday? Okay. Right. Ask me next week when um, I'm in a totally different mood. And yeah, and and I, and I, I think my wife likes when this question comes up in conversation because she kind of likes watching me sweat a little bit, and she's like, <laughs> "He'll never be able to answer that." Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of 80s movies, I think uh, a couple stand out. I don't know if I can come up with five. Um, Field of Dreams. Okay. And when I was a kid, my dad worked a couple of jobs. He was a teacher, but he also had uh, a, a second job. And I didn't see him a lot. You know, it's not like he was invisible or absent. Just didn't get to spend a lot of time working. Uh, together. And one of the memories I do have is I don't like maybe I was around eleven or twelve. Uh, Field of Dreams was on TV, and for whatever reason, he and I just sat and watched it together. Me, at least, not knowing the premise and the themes behind the movie. So to have that the being, irony of it being a father son movie yeah, yeah yeah so to have that being a definition of time spent with my dad mm. is just great and then when we took a trip to the Field of Dreams in Dyersville and oh nice you know he and I played catch in the same spot that the characters do at the end of the movie yeah um, you know like the, just the whole thing the whole movie encompasses all of that for me like I'm tearing up a little bit here so give, give <laughs> me a right. hug if you want it's okay. After we're done, um, so I'm so that movie, and because of that, I think he has a different connection to the movie now than mm-hmm. when it first came out. Yeah, is it that just became something that he and I have in common? He and I share. Another movie that stands out to me is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I, I just rewatched that a few weeks ago. Totally holds up on Netflix. Oh yeah, totally holds up. Yeah, 
And I don't know why, but it just at the time it came out, it came out in '88, I think, I late think so. '80s, yeah. as did uh, Field of Dreams. Mm-hmm. But at the time it came out, it was. I don't know, I was about 10 years old or so, and I was just so into this idea of integrating the animation and live action. Yeah. So anytime there was a special about it or, or an article about it, I was, you know, buying these magazines and looking at newspapers and recording stuff on TV because I was just, there was something about this movie that I just had to know all I could about it. Um, and I, I remember I saw it at least twice in the theaters when I was a kid. I think this the story of that one is a lot of fun. It's great. It doesn't play down to an audience. It works uh, for it works for kids, but it works for adults as well. Mm-hmm. So it did the Pixar thing before Pixar was a thing. I actually had read I read this a little while ago. Um, and I, since you mentioned it, I was just going to pull this up because it'll be a few years until we get to talk Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Although, when we get to that point, watch might, out. That might be just volumes in and of itself. An hour and a half, two-hour episode on its own. Um, I, I have a list here of some interesting things that it's in one of those articles, you know, 15 things you may not know about Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I don't like those articles that pop up on Facebook and other places that are like, 10 things you didn't know about. Because you already know them. Because I already know them. Because they're like, 10 things you didn't know about Star Wars. I'm like, really? Let's take a look. (laughs) Challenge accepted. (laughs) Let's let's take a gander. Um, And they're always wrong. Because I knew everything. (laughs) Um, On this list, they said it was the most expensive movie ever made up to that point. Um, Had cost $70 million. That's chump change now. But... um, they said that Bob Hoskins, this I did not know, Bob Hoskins was not the first pick for Eddie Valiant. They asked Harrison Ford, who was too expensive, uh, Chevy Chase, who apparently didn't want to do it, Bill Murray, who apparently never, never got the message that they wanted him and was upset that he missed out on it. Like, I don't know, somehow his agent didn't get him the message, he claims. Um, and he had wanted to do it, but somehow didn't find out about it. I, 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 I don't know how that works, but... I can't imagine anyone but... Bob Hoskins no. in that role as no. Eddie Valiant. Yeah. Um, they also talked to, for um, uh, Judge Doom, for Christopher Lloyd's part, they apparently talked to Tim Curry, who they thought would be too scary, uh, John Cleese, who they thought would be too funny, yeah. and Christopher Lee, who didn't want to do it. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Tim Curry would have been... Tim Curry would have been interesting. That would have been a really interesting after, choice. After having watched Clue and then watching it. several others, it would, yeah... Um, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm-hmm. It would have been a really... I would love to see what he would have done with that character. Because I don't think that it would... I don't think his interpretation of the character would hurt the movie. Mm-hmm. The same way that when you think about other actors jumping into these roles, yeah. might. I, I can't imagine Chevy Chase as Eddie Valiant. Yeah, no. Like, I just... I don't think... I don't think that would work. Because Ch- Chevy Chase... At the time, as we've discussed, is you know, is, is working in movies that need him to do his Chevy Chase thing. Mm-hmm. Roger Rabbit doesn't allow for that. Yeah, there, there's no room for one actor doing his or her thing and all the other characters supporting that. Yeah, it's very much, and even though the vast majority of the characters are animated, it's very much an ensemble movie, mm-hmm. and it has to work that way. 
the last thing I have here is that apparently one of the early tests they did for the voice of Roger Abbott was uh, Pee Wee Herman. That would have been a little different, too. That would have been very different. Um, I'm glad that they went with Charles Fleischer. Yeah. You know, relative unknown yeah. at that point. And when you think about it, you know, Chris Lloyd and, and Bob Hoskins, other than that, you know, are there really any human actors that stand out and be like, oh, that guy's in it? Oh, that guy's in it? No. I Not that I can think of. Yeah. All right, so those are the those are yeah, your two '80s. Yeah, I think in terms of '80s, like you know, okay. I have other '80s movies that are go-to's. Like mm-hmm. War Games, I mm-hmm. absolutely love. Um, every now and again, I'll put on Cloak and Dagger. Okay. Uh, or uh, Flight of the Navigator. Was that in the '80s? Yeah, I mm-hmm. would say it was. 80s. That's actually but that'll be next year. Flight of the Navigator. Flight of the Navigator. You know. So what's your and if we end up doing an end of the year show for this year? For 2015, um, 1985, I'll probably ask this question again, but what is your favorite of the ones we've looked at this year? Probably Goonies. Probably, probably Red Sonia. Red Sonia. Red Sonia. Love Red Sonia. Hey. Oh, man. Why were there more of, of those? Nelson. <laughs> She's a very handsome woman, isn't she? <laughs> well, you know. Um, Won't speak ill of the dead. <laughs> she dead? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just her career. <laughs> Sorry, Brigitte. So I, th- I think Goonies. Okay. I love that movie. Uh, I, I love how it captures the idea that so many kids have of wanting to go on that 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 exploration, mm. the 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 treasure hunt, and, and you know. And every, know. every kid that tore the cushions off the couch pretending to be Indiana Jones. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, indie, indie movies are... See, this is why I have such a hard time with these lists. Like, oh, yeah, that one. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, right, Indiana Jones thing. was 80s. <laughs> Indiana Jones was and 80s. And there was Star Wars. And there was... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... I think it, it, it can be understood that um, just because I don't mention the, the cliche 80s movies or the go-to 80s movies, uh, Empire and Return of the Jedi, right. Indiana Jones, Back to the Futures... I love them, right? But I'm not going to put them you're on just, my you're list. You're looking for the list beyond right. those movies. Yeah. What's your um, What's your least favorite one we did this year? Red Sonia. Red Sonia. Okay. Really? Even even that more so than uh, what's the one we just did? Cocoon. Yes, because okay. Cocoon, I I can watch the whole thing. Okay. Red Sonia. And I can uh, even I just, even I, though my reaction to Cocoon was negative. Yeah. It still invoked a a react some sort of reaction right. from me. Red Sonia was just eh. Red Red Sonia was just I, I can't even watch this. This, <laughs> okay. this isn't entertaining at all. Yeah. All right. What are your top five movies? Let's leave the eighties, or I mean, this could include the eighties as well. But what are your top five movies of all time? So I have two that I can put on, and when it's done, I just sort of have to sit and sigh and let my mind come back from the experience. One of them is Casablanca. Okay. I love Casablanca on so many levels for so many reasons. The story is great. The acting is out of this world. Those, you know, that cast really understood the individual characters that they were playing. And the story has drama. It has a lot of comedy that most people don't pick up on. 
because you know here Cosmonica, oh, love story, it's an old movie. There, there are a lot of comedic moments, a lot of comedic lines that if you are not listening, you're not going to hear them. Um, but I think the premise is so simple. You know, guy, guy loves girl, girl leaves guy, guy struggles with that. And then all of a sudden she shows up again, back into his life, and he's got to find a way to somehow either deal with it or try his best to ignore it. Um, the fact that it, it, it involves uh, all the subplots that it does, that's in, you know incidental to the main story. But, yeah, no, I, I can put that on and, and lose myself in that movie. And when it's done, I just have to sit there and, okay, that was, that was perfect. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect movie. Um, and I wish more people would give it a shot. I think people don't like it because of the... It's because it's older, mm-hmm. uh, black and white, love story. You know, it's, it's the typical definition of why you don't like that movie. Right. There's a one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when um, it's the it's when they're going back and forth between the French national anthem and the uh, the Germans. Mm-hmm. The Germans, you know, they start singing uh, their national anthem, and the the people all throughout the uh, the Rick's Cafe start at Victor uh, Laszlo's lead start singing the French national anthem and, 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 you know, they're trying to fight this oppression. And eventually you just see the look on, on the Germans' faces where they, they know they've been defeated in song. Um, it's just I, a lot of real emotion seems to just exude from that scene. And then that the the song that uh, the the movie theme song the uh, as time goes by beautiful song beautiful tune that I've heard performed by many different people and you know it's just it it it's it's a gorgeous piece of music um, now I had also heard that throughout Hollywood currently they're toying with the idea of either doing a remake or mm. some sort of sequel okay which would be an awful. <laughs> Awful shame, because to take a movie like that and and, too. and and try to say I can do this better, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, that's the only reason to do a remake is because you think you can do it better, and I don't understand that mentality. Mm-hmm. A movie like that is it people? Is it the movie studios just being lazy? Because you're you're saying, so. and and I agree with you. You're saying people don't give it a fair shake because it's old, it's black and white, and it's not. 
you know, it's not the actors that people all know from today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and a lot of times people just see black and white and it automatically turns them off. Is that when they try to remake or give a sequel to something that's much older like this, is that just them being lazy saying, well, you know, Casablanca is a great movie, so we need a Casablanca for today? I'm like, well, I think there's no. A, I, <laughs> I think Casablanca is a product of its time as well, and I don't know that you can. I don't think you could successfully do that. I think there's a lot of lazy. It'd be like trying to remake. Hollywood it's like right trying now. to if you tried to remake E.T. today, it wouldn't work. I don't think I see it. Um, on my but DVD Casablanca, of, I just I feel like that's one that just it's a product of its time. You can't remake it. Don't try. Just try to get people to go back and watch the original. On my DVD of uh, Rebel Without a Cause. Another great movie. Yeah. Um, one of the behind-the-scenes features is a tour of the movie studio. Mm. And they actually go into the writer's room. And there's got to be, I don't know, 50 guys just all sitting at typewriters, churning out ideas and churning out stories. And I feel like that's long gone in Hollywood. There's none of that. There's no, we're going to pay you to be as creative as you can be. Right. It's so many things are adaptations or remakes or reimaginings um, you know and I was I, I was thinking about this recently because I uh, I looked up when the first Spider-Man movie came out Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie yeah. and since then we've had 2000 how many Spider-Man movies <clears throat> and we're yeah. we're getting our third Spider-Man actor right in a span of I think 12 years right. and it was like almost uh, Oh four, oh five, maybe is when the movie came out. Was that the first time? Was oh four? Uh, no, I want to look it no, up. No, I think it was. I think it was earlier than that. Um, but how quickly Hollywood changes its mind about well, things. Two thousand two. So mm-hmm. in thirteen years, we've had three actors take right. on the role now. Five movies. You know, it's like why? Why do we need to keep rehashing this? Right. Same thing with uh, Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Why do we need to keep rehashing this? Clearly, it's not going to work. Let's stop trying to make this a thing. No pun intended. Right. I got you. Um, we can stretch that joke as far as you want. <laughs> we'll leave that alone. Yeah. So just this idea of, of sequelizing the hell out of things and remaking, I just I don't understand. I, just, I read recently there's going to be a remake in the works of Memento. <laughs> why in God's why? name would you want to try? Why? What are you going to accomplish in a remake? And, he, and, the, and the, the, the guys working on it said, you know, referred to it as being a master of its craft. Right, so leave it alone. So don't touch it. If, if, like, if it's perfect, what are you, you going to do with, with that movie to I mean, you, make it better? What are you gonna, that'd be like some painter showing up today and be like, hey, um, I'm going to do a remake of the Sistine Chapel. Yeah. I, f- I feel like we need a Mona Lisa for today. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> if you want, no, stop no, it. No, I mean, stop if you want to, if you want to use it as, use it as a parody or use it as a, I don't know, something. Take it and adapt it. Put it on the Campbell's soup label or whatever it was that uh, Andy Warhol did. But don't. Yeah, I don't get that. Yeah, and just and the more I check out movie sites and the more I see headlines of movies being remade or reimagined or right. re something. Right. I just don't get it. I was listening to another movie podcast uh, maybe a couple weeks ago now, and they were saying that we were, that 2015, they felt, was the year of nostalgia. 
whether that was good or bad, that we had so many different remakes or different reimaginings of 80, like 80s cartoons, 90s cartoons, mm-hmm. of, you know, because there was, even just in the last few years, not just 2015, but, you know, there was the Peanuts movie, and there was, um, well, we've got the new Star Wars movie coming out. There was, oh, what else do they have? Um, well, even looking at the number of TV shows, old TV shows right. that are now getting the movie treatment. Right. I think it, it's it's Hollywood trying to capitalize on their 18 to mm-hmm. 40 demographic. Right. You know, let's take what these what, what this take group of people was interested and, in and let's remake it. when they yeah. were kids and try to draw them in that way. Yeah. Problem is that it's... It, you get a bunch of people that's just settle for mediocrity. Like the the they go and see it because of the nostalgic feel. Mm-hmm. They're not thinking enough of it as a as a movie as an entity in and of itself. So they're not scrutinizing it the way that a lot of the times it it they should. Um, you know, and that was that was a big problem I had with Jurassic World. Mm. I still haven't seen that one yet. I, I wanted to, but I heard it was fun, it, but not. It wasn't bad. It okay. just it didn't for me. My my issue was it didn't do anything to enhance or move the okay. ideas or story along. Okay, because I it was will... like taking Jurassic Park and just remaking oh, okay. Jurassic Park twenty years later. Okay, because that's what you know. I really haven't gone back. I've gone back and I've rewatched the original Jurassic. I love the original Jurassic Park. It's, it's one on my of list. my favorite movies, and I've gone back and I've rewatched <clears throat> that one several times. I will not go back and rewatch Jurassic Park two or three. Now three, I don't have a problem I with them. Stomach. I don't have a problem with them as entertainment, like just sitting and watching a movie. Sure, I could sit and watch Jurassic Park two and three, but given the choice, I'd rather just go back and rewatch Jurassic Park one yeah. and do that. So I was kind of curious. I still haven't. So I got to borrow it from somebody or from the library or whatever. But I still haven't seen Jurassic World. Yet. Yeah, like, I was, it, I was again, curious. I that, just it didn't do anything to in, you know progress the story at all. Okay, it was the the exact same things happening. Okay. Um, same situations, just yeah. Same situations. Now I, I faster, like that faster and more intense. You know, it it did give a little bit of a nod to the to Jurassic Park. Okay. Um, but I mean, I just had you know it left me with a lot of questions about the story and okay. um, you know I thought the acting was just okay, but overall, like it just, it didn't do anything to move to to progress the idea. Okay. So I don't know if they were trying to resettle the idea. So that they could build on it and go forward, but mm-hmm. um, but again, you know, it's for me, it's part of the issue with with Hollywood is you know not thinking about moving ideas and stories along. It's you know, what can we do to mm-hmm. get money? What can we do to take one book and break it into three movies? Yeah, <laughs> Peter Jackson, mm-hmm. <laughs> love you, but man, that was that kind of drove me nuts when I Come heard on. about that. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. So you, you th- take three massive books. And you make three moderately sized movies out of Lord of the Rings. So you take those three books, and you know if you get the extended version of it, then I guess you get your you know really long movie. But you take those, and you make your two and a half hour movie, mm-hmm. and then you take a book like The Hobbit, which One if book. I, which I, if I remember correctly was shorter than each of the other Lord of the Rings. I books. believe I believe so. Okay, so you take a book Not that's shorter much, than but... the others. 
and you turn it into three movies. Well, and I know they added a lot. They pulled in like stuff right, from I, the Cimmerillion and the. I, I only saw the first one of that trilogy, okay. and, and I liked them. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I, I liked the Hobbit movies; they were fun. I took you know, yeah, I took my son to go see them, and I walked out of it going, you know what? They added too many things. Yeah, and it's not the Hobbit. Yeah, so to call it the Hobbit right. is almost uh, a misnomer. Right. Um, which I'd be okay with if, if Hollywood would start doing that. Like, it's not actually this thing, so I'm not going to refer to it as this thing. It'll be somehow related to, but we'll come up with a different title mm-hmm. so as not to mislead your audience. So what do you have any other of your, your top five of all time? What else is on your list? Um, the other one that I can just put on, and again, when it's done, I just sort of have to sit and decompress mm-hmm. a little. Almost Famous. I do like, you know, I haven't, I've watched that movie once. Oh, my God. But I remember liking it. The movie is outstanding. Yeah. And, and, and again, it's a great story. It's a great character. And, and, you know, he goes on the journey of almost understanding himself and how he fits into the, the world around him. Brilliant soundtrack. Oh, yeah. The soundtrack to that movie is just top notch. But when that movie ends, I just you know, it's, I just have to sit and sort of take a breath. It also inspires me to be creative. Mm-hmm. That and uh, Finding Neverland, I can put on those movies, and when they're done, I'm like, I'm gonna go write. <laughs> I'll yeah. grab. Um, usually, I don't even you know grab electronics. I'll grab uh, a steno pad and a pen, and I'll just go to Starbucks and have a seat in a chair and start jotting ideas down. It just it it, it gets my you know, it gets the creativity going mm-hmm. to where I just want to start making mm-hmm. something. Oh, I, I totally have to use pen and paper. I, as much as I like technology, I can't. If I'm going to sit down and write something, it's going to be on pen and paper first. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so those, so Casablanca and Almost Famous, those are movies I can I can put on, and the rest of the world goes away. Okay. Every time I put those on, I'm not on my, you know, I'm, I'm not on my laptop or my iPad or my phone. I'm just, I'm really just in those movies as they're happening. Um, in terms of other... So those two... When, when initially we talked about top five movies, I knew I wanted to get those on the list. Mm-hmm. Everything else is like, yeah, this is good, but oh my God, so is this. And right. like this... Oh, but what about this one? That one's also great. It's just like when you're in the swimming pool and you're on the shallow end. You've got, okay, here I am. And then all of a sudden the deep end just... Mm-hmm. It dips off real fast. Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I have five. Mm-hmm. What do you got? Give it to me. So, also on this list, uh, Rear Window. Okay. Uh, Jurassic Park. How did you, let me jump in for a second. How did you feel about the uh, Christopher Reeve remake? Did you ever see it? I saw parts of it. Okay. And I appreciated what they were trying to do for Christopher Reeve. Mm-hmm. Um, as a movie, though, I couldn't, I couldn't watch it. Mm-hmm. It was not Rear Window. Okay. You know, it, Rear Window is a very I felt, specific. Well, and I, I felt it. I think kind of like what, what you're getting at, what you were just saying. I almost felt like it was a more of a. Let's do something that Christopher Reeve can do because he's, right. he's a great actor. He's you know he's still able to act even though he's in this wheelchair and he's confined to it. So let's take him. I, so then I almost thought it was more of a, a spectacle is not the right word, but more of a 
I don't know, more more of a pet project for him because of his situation, or, you know. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And so I, I, when I watched it, I remember watching it for that and thinking, well, this is not the Hitchcock movie. This is not as good as the original, you know. Mm-hmm. But good for him, you know, that, that he, yeah, he, I mean, he probably I, still wants to act, and they're not going to give acting gigs to somebody who's probably not as mobile. I didn't, so. I, I, I didn't hate it. Yeah. It just it wasn't rear window to right. me. Right. Um, but I appreciated the fact that, you know, they were trying to find something for for him to do. Yeah. I loved it when uh, when he showed up on Smallville. Oh, yeah. Great character arc yeah. on Smallville. It was, it was awesome. It was perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it, it is possible to find roles for people. I think they just tried too hard to mm-hmm. to, to fit him that into was a, little a too, very specific That might have been mold. almost too on the nose. Like, yeah. oh, we have a man who's now confined to a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Well, what movie can we give him? Our rear window. That's right. the only one we can think of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm, right, you what know. Else, what else you got here? And then the the seventh one I have, or seventh one, fifth <laughs> one that I have on the list is Magn- He's a writing teacher, not a math teacher, folks. That's right. <laughs> Numbers are hard. Um, Magnificent Seven. Mm, okay. Um, Did you hear they're doing a remake of that? Yes. And <laughs> How do you feel about that? I'm worried. Okay. Because, and again, Mag 7 was sequelized uh, at its time as well. Um, and it itself is a remake. Yeah. Well, a, a reimagining. Reimagining. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you got uh, Seven Samurai. Right. And then that spawned other versions of it, Three Amigos, mm-hmm. and A Bug's Life. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, very few people think of a bug's life as being uh, that story. It's, right. it's absolutely that story. Yeah, it totally is. Um, no, you know what? It's I mean that's such a great ensemble cast in Mag Seven that it's impossible not to enjoy it. If you if you're someone like me who enjoys story, who enjoys drama, who enjoys great characters, that is like that is the, one of the best movies to put on for those reasons. Yeah. And I love the history behind the the making of it. You know, Yul Brenner wanted it, it was a Yul Brenner thing. Mm-hmm. He wanted this movie to happen, uh, which is why he is the lead character. And the stories about he and Steve McQueen not seeing eye to eye. So instead of you know being angry about it, Steve McQueen decided to kind of screw with him a little bit and wouldn't ever really let him have the spotlight in any scene that they're in together. So if you, anyone that goes back to watch Magnificent Seven, if you watch, you'll see Steve McQueen is always doing something mm-hmm. to draw some yeah. attention away <laughs> from whatever Yul Brenner, uh, whatever Chris is supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, then you know, take a movie like that, and like, oh, well, Great Escape, love The Great Escape, you know, Richard Attenborough, James Garner, James Colburn. In fact, a lot of the same cast of Mag 7 mm-hmm. is in uh, is in Great Escape. But, you know, I, I just recently watched The Great Escape because it was on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And Pat kept telling me about it because he kept going on and on and on about it. He's like, oh, great movie, great movie. Great. And I watched it and I liked motorcycle it. Motorcycle Chase. Yeah, it was because of the motorcycle chase. Anything, anybody ever wants to get, not that you know who Pat is personally, but anybody ever wants to get his attention, just throw a motorcycle in front of him and he'll probably, it's like a cat with a shiny object. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um but he like he kept saying, "You got to see this. You got to see this movie." And I watched it, and I liked it, but I thought it was a little bit long. 
Oh, it's very long. Like I, I mean, I kept going through. Like okay, it's so an we've, incredibly we've, long. We've movie. made we've made it some attempts at. Well, I know I'm, two I'm, films. I'm looking at this going. Can we not cut out some of the like? I feel some of these escaped attempts or these planning things. Like I kind of feel like some of this could have been cut and streamlined a little bit. And this seems like didn't we just do this? Because I, I watch it over a course of a couple of days. Okay. And so I, I had to pause and come back to it a couple of times, and that just makes I, it longer. Why? Well, and I know. And I kept, I kept coming back to it and going, wait a minute, didn't I see this scene already? No, no, oh, no, this is a little bit different. Okay, no, I didn't see this scene. But I kept, yeah. every time I came back to it, I'm like, well, didn't I see this already? Oh, no, different escaped attempt. Okay. So I, I liked it as a movie. It just, if I were the editor, I would cut a few parts out. But, you know, there were simply too many notes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it, that is one issue I have with Great Escape is it is such a long film. That you know, like I said, it, it, the first film could have been uh, once the actual escape happens, mm-hmm. and the second follow-up film could have been what happens now that they've escaped. Right. Um. But again, I bring that up because you know when they start looking at a movie like Mag Seven, I'm like, oh, but, mm-hmm. you know, another movie of the time with great characters is The Great Escape. Yeah. So I, I mean, I have such a hard time with. <laughs> putting these lists together mm-hmm. because of that very reason I immediately jump to something else mm-hmm. I've noticed that my list of favorite films tends to be a lot of older movies and I I don't I've been thinking I have no idea why mm-hmm. I I mean I, I, I think I appreciate older movies um, do the older movies have better storytelling I think so because at the time they didn't have you know all the bells and whistles to try to sell the movie. You're not relying it, on CGI and special right. effects, and right, yeah. it, it comes down to the portrayal of characters and how are these characters helping the story unfold. And since that's what I appreciate, I, you know, of course, I think that's where my mind is. My mind is going to go. Um, to get back to Jurassic Park, though, I wanted I wanted to discuss why this one is on my list. So this movie came out in ninety. I believe. And I know that because the second semester of my freshman year in high school, uh, the language arts department or the English department and the science department decided to do a thing together. Hmm. So we all had to read Jurassic Park. So in, in, in L.A. class, we read and we dissected the story. And in science class... In biology, we were learning. That's when they did their whole uh, cell unit and DNA unit. So by the time then the movie came out, all of that was just fresh in my head, and all these ideas was just fresh in my head. So as I'm watching this movie, this is the first time I can ever remember watching a movie and actively feeling engaged by every aspect of it. The first time I ever really connected with the, the movie as a whole. Um, might have been elements of that in Roger Rabbit when I saw that, which I was so interested in in that movie at the time. But Jurassic Park, when I think Jurassic Park, I don't think just, oh, this is a great movie. I think of the whole experience, months spent reading and dissecting the book mm-hmm. and learning all the science behind it and, and the, the feasibility of the science behind it. So that when the movie actually did finally come out, it was like the culmination of months of study. So on, I can, I on top mean, of that, you get some John Williams music too. 
Yeah, I mean, you get a, a Spielberg flick with yeah. John Williams tunes. So God, every I, every time I hear, I had a Spotify list I created a couple weeks ago, and it's movie themes. And on that list, I have a whole bunch of John Williams stuff. I have some James Horner, Alan Silvestri, Hans Zimmer, all kinds of. But I've got a whole section of John Williams, and every time I hear the Jurassic Park music startup, I'm like, I, you know what? I, I'm feeling sick. I think I need to go home from work and watch a little Jurassic Park. <laughs> Best scene in the movie is when they see the first dinosaur. Yes, mm-hmm. because you get that the 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 wide shot. And it starts to pan up a little bit, and the music swells, and it's just a combination of the filmmaking with the music, and the and the triumphantness of seeing the majestic dinosaur standing in front of him. By far, mm-hmm. best scene out of the entire movie. Show me that, and I'm almost sated. That thing's 22 years old. <laughs> and 22 years old, I go back and watch. When we took our first plane ride this last summer, the, the kids had never been on a plane before. I'd mm-hmm. been on a plane, but the kids had never been on a plane before. That was. Well, you I lived, lived in London, so oh, hopefully right. you've been I, on a plane. I swam. <laughs> um, not a very good swimmer. It was doggy paddle. <laughs> I could only doggy paddle. I can only doggy um, paddle. <laughs> have fun storm in the castle. Um, it's another great When did that one come out? Mm, Continue your story. I think that one's pretty soon, but yeah, you. Google that for me. Um, 87. 87. So we were on the plane, and I let the kids each pick a movie that they wanted to watch. And John had not seen Jurassic Park up to this point. But I'm like, you know what? He's he's probably about the same age. He's pretty close to, well, no, I would have been about 13. But I'm like, you know what? He's old enough to see Jurassic Park. He'll be fine with it. And I just remember watching that movie with him on the plane. And I'm watching this going, you know what? I haven't seen this movie in several years. This This more than holds up. Like, you don't even need to... Forget about Jurassic World. Just re-release this one in the theaters and everybody will be happy. Everybody will still go see it. The CGI is beautiful. The story is great. Mm-hmm. It just don't mess with it. Yeah. Just re-release that in the theater and it'll be fine. Yeah, like you said, the, it, it holds up. Absolutely holds up. So what is... So now that... I mean, you, you've had a stressful enough time trying to get this, like, top five for 80s and top five for all time. Mm-hmm. Let's take that a step further. Let's really make you sweat here. Thank you. What's one movie that you feel, and you've already mentioned a few, but what's one movie that you feel is underrated or unknown 
that you think people should go check out? Swingers. Okay, why? John Favreau, Vince Vaughn. Okay. Um, it's a guy movie. It's a guy movie about relationships, which just normally doesn't happen. And for, I mean, for people that haven't seen uh, haven't seen Swingers, the main character, uh, played by John Favreau, is living in California now. Uh, broke up with his girlfriend and just having a really hard time getting over that that heartbreak and that heartache. And I think what appealed to me about the movie is that it's that sentiment. And it's a sentiment that guys aren't supposed to talk about. Guys aren't supposed to have that, have those feelings of of sadness and hurt that come with a breakup. You're not supposed to have that struggle of getting back out there. But that's that's what's happening in this movie. Is this character just is having such a hard time with it. And he's getting all this advice from so many different people that he doesn't know what to do with it. And finally he just decides, you know what? I'm doing my thing. And once he decides just to to listen to his own gut and do what he thinks is best for him, things change for him. I have never actually seen Swingers, so I'll have to go check it out. It's great. Okay. I, re- I totally recognize it. I just looked it up real fast just to see the cover, uh, like the DVD cover. And I totally mm-hmm. recognize the DVD cover. So I know I've seen this. It's probably on Netflix for a while, I would imagine. But, or yeah, like, I think where, it was. where I would have seen it recently. But um, the funny thing, though, is uh, I recognize the director's name right away. And I'm like, really? Swingers? A relationship movie? Because that director, Doug Lyman, is mm-hmm. the, I think it's Lyman, um, has done like the Bourne movies. It's like the Bourne movies, he did that Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise. I think he's doing the new, they're going to do a new Gambit movie, Gambit from the comic books, okay. the X-Men. I think he's directing that. I'm like, well, I don't... Wow. Thinking of those movies, I'm like, <laughs> relationship movie, the Bourne series, the, at least he did Bourne Identity, he might have done one of the other ones, but... Um, and then Edge of Tomorrow, Gambit... I was looking out here too. He also did Mr. and Mrs. Smith with um, uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. So it seems like it's mostly action movies. So that's kind of interesting that one of his earliest ones. It looks like his uh, he Swingers was '96, and that was one of his that was his second movie he directed. So that's kind of interesting that he was yeah, it was a relationship and movie, and then he kind of veered off into. It'd be interesting to hear from like him sci-fi action movies. Why? Why that? Change yeah. because I mean again, Swingers is such a great movie because it is a movie about coping with relationship issues from a guy's point of view for a for an audience of guys, and that it touches on those moments that for whatever reason guys don't want to admit that they go through, but do go through. And um, first time I watched it was after a breakup and a buddy of mine said watch this alright whatever and I put it on and by the end I was just like just think I didn't know what I it was it. no no Mess- I, message received was that? N- no, <laughs> no but but the it started to get me to think about things okay so you know, it wasn't like oh all my problems are solved yeah. because of this movie so instead of talking to you 
your buddy gave you a movie to see. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, don't get me wrong. No, I, I know. You know, he, we talked, and you know, yeah. we'd go out for drinks all the time and, and whatever, and he did his part. But it was one of the one of the things he did was check this out. Check Just, this movie out, you know, yeah. Watch this, mm-hmm. think on this. Yeah. And uh, That's like when somebody's going through something, they're like, I think there's a book you'd really like. Read this. Go read this book. Yeah. A little bit like that. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I have to check this out. So yeah, I, I, I think it's underrated. I think that you know it, it didn't get a lot of attention when it came out. Okay. Um, it's it's almost more of a cult following now, mm-hmm. and you know DVD sales did, I think, probably better than box office. Um, but again, it's characters. It's and it, it's a character that goes on on an internal journey, of of, of just trying to figure out life and how he, his life now works. Redefining himself as an individual, um, so there you go. Cool. That would that would be my. Here's the underrated movie to check out. All right. Well, now that you've gotten to know a little bit more about Jeff, that's that's going to do it for this one. We we've we feel like we've we've laughed together, we've cried together. When this is over, we're gonna give each other a hug. We're going to hug it out. Oh, that's brothers so sweet. Don't, brothers don't shake hands. Brothers got a hug. Brothers got a hug. So can I, I have that movie on, on my uh, guilty pleasure list. Oh, do you? <laughs> Tommy Boy is definitely on the guilty pleasure list, along with National Treasure. Okay. Uh, and Basketball. I See, I've never seen Basketball. It's, I've seen clips. It's but. so craptastic. Okay. Like it's just it's 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 watching South Park guys being like, oh, how much crap can we get away with? Um, I was you know okay. So if we want and, to talk. and a little social commentary too, just about yeah. professional sports and how ridiculous professional the, right. some professional sports are. Yeah, and and the lengths people go to with their obsession mm-hmm. of of sports. Yeah, but it's definitely a I can't sleep at night. I'm going to throw in basketball and just. I was, back I was trying to show somebody a clip from Mallrats earlier. Oh, friggin' they, <laughs> God bless Mallrats. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there going, oh, Ma, i got to show you this. This totally applies to what situation we're going through right now. I need to show you this clip. And so I went to go find the clip. And I'm like, Mallrats, I love Mallrats. And this person's watching the clip, and they're like, this is the dumbest movie I've ever seen. Like, no! Like, stop! Stop the video! Stop. What? what the, was the then clip? quit watching the clip. Let's. Well, you need to see it from the beginning. What was the clip that you're showing? The clip I was trying to show him the, um, and I forget why now, but it was um, it was from the dating game at the end of the movie. Okay. And it, something about they were just watching it, and maybe because this person's a little bit older than we are, they just they were looking at it and they were just going, "Nah, this is just dumb." And I'm like, "But but 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 no! No, it's it's but no." <laughs> Okay, then stop. No, no, no. Just go see the start from the beginning of the movie and see it from there. Quit watching this clip. Don't look. Early Kevin Smith movies are mm-hmm. fantastic. I watched Clerks again. Uh, I think Holds it was on up. Netflix, so I watched it again uh, probably a couple months ago now. But yeah, Chasing Amy is my favorite. And then you know what? That actually, of all of his different movies, that used to be. It may still be. That used to be my favorite of his, and but I just I haven't seen that one again in a long time. Mm-hmm. I, think I watched that several times during college, but I don't think I've seen that one in a little while. But that and may still be my may still be my favorite of his. Yeah, I mean it's it's it's, it's great from yeah. beginning to end. It's it's not you know, I don't know where Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back shows up on the list. Yeah, well, probably somewhere might, towards the bottom. Might be a separate <laughs> list, second page. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our episode of 
getting to know Jeff. So I feel like now we've got to know Jeff, so now Jeff can go away. Oh, I don't know how. I don't think I like how you said that. Okay, sorry, hold on. Well, we got to know Jeff now, so now Jeff can go away. Is that better? Eh. That actually was, it got a little creepier. <laughs> okay. A little bit. So anyway, Jeff can... No, okay. <laughs> I need an adult. I need an adult. <laughs> you won't find one. Oh, man. All right. Well, next time around, I don't By know the way, movie. can I just say your van is, is lovely. Thank you. Thank you. It's, do you like the severely tinted windows? Yeah, I like that I can't see out. No one can see in. Right. This is a, a great thing. Right. This it's, mattress is comfortable, too. You know, it's... Uh, I, instead of tinting the windows, I just decided to go for foil. It was a lot cheaper. Yeah, I've been in other ones where keep, they just paint them. Keeps but... out the radio waves and, you know. Good thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, try to, I try to think through all escape plans. All Wait, right. What? Hmm? Never mind. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, Jeff is going to live permanently in a van down by the river. I do enjoy government cheese. There you go. Um, if you would like to get in touch with the show, our voicemail line is 87235-MOVIE. That's 872-356-6843. Our website and crowdfunding page are the30podcast.podbean.com. Um, on Twitter, we are at 30podcast. Email is 30podcast at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash 30podcast if you want to see us there. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, the Satchel Podcast app, which is currently only for Android, but iOS is coming soon. And Google Play is adding podcasts, and we will be listed there as well.